0: So there's this philosopher and uh, theologian and pastor named Stephen J. Cole who one time wrote that there's a question that until you've answered this question, you are not ready to die. Until you've answered this question, you're not ready to die. And until you've answered this question, you're not equipped to truly live. And ironically, it's, it's the same question that Jesus asked his disciples Uh, right around the time uh, when they were in Caesarea Philippi, Jesus was asking his disciples um, something because he understood that everyone had an opinion about him. Jesus was a very polarizing person, still is. Jesus was someone who everyone had a perspective on who he was. The the government had an opinion about Jesus. The poor had an opinion about Jesus. The rich, the successful, the losers, everyone had an opinion about Jesus. But Jesus comes to a point of asking the question, the question that Stephen J. Cole said was so imperative when he simply asked the question, yeah, but who do you say? Who do you say that I am? Not, not, not who your, your parents say that I am, not who your, your closest friends or your girlfriend, your boyfriend or your, your spouse, not who your employer says I am. Who do, who do you say I am? That's what I'm concerned about right now. And interestingly enough, it's the same uh, question that William uh, Chatterton Dix um, spoke into the song that you just sang, What Child Is This? See, William Chatterton Dix was a guy who, um, he was an insurance manager, and he was crazy sick. And at the time when he was just absolutely sick, he's writing this poem about the nativity. And as he's writing this poem about the nativity, he's watching as he's getting closer and closer to death and in the midst of that, he's sensing God's presence not further and further away, but closer and closer. So that the song he started out with simply just to be this, this great Christmas poem became something that resonated on a deeper level. A question that he had been asking, what child is this? A question that everyone has been asking. A lot of people are still looking for the answer too. He asked asks the song, and the song's title, uh, the question that, that makes up the song's title, it asks the same question that Jesus asked, but from the opposite vantage point. Not, not the Son of God asking, who do you say I am? But from the, the vantage point of the very first humans who are trying to comprehend the incomprehensible reality of the incarnation. The, this idea that God became man. And if you're looking for, for something that summarizes that, I mean, this is Christmas time, so you're going to look in Matthew, the beginning of Matthew. Some of you, like, that you read Luke, like, you get into Luke 1 and 2, um, and you read that right before you open your presents. Other people are like, no, we're not going to read the Bible. We go to church for someone to read the Bible to us. But, but whatever it is, we look at, at the, the Bible at, at, for the Christmas story, but very few people go to John. The the disciple that was the tightest with Jesus. Very people go to John's gospel to read about the nativity or about the incarnation that God became man. And yet, John writes the most concise and focused phrase on the incarnation we have in the Bible with this. He says, simply, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. John is talking about Jesus here. And growing up in the church, this verse always bugged me because I didn't get it. I'm like, if John is so tight with Jesus, why doesn't he just say Jesus, who's God, became flesh and made his dwelling among us? Why in the world does he say, the, does this, was, Am I the only one that this is confused? Like, seriously, I'm like, why is he calling his buddy the Word? Okay, well, if it has not confused you, I'm going to spend some time on it so it confuses all of us. Let's focus in on that. The Word. Why in the world would you call your buddy Word, the Word? And and the truth is, is that the more you focus in on this, the more you look at it, the more you realize it was absolutely genius if you're looking for a word to describe Jesus to use the word, Word. He uses Word, and the word is so, the word Word is so important, if you've got a little kid, some of you've got little children, and when you've got little children, specifically boys, but this happens with girls too, they get to a point where they're just frustrated, and they just, look, I'm done having people take things from me. That is my toy, and you stole it from me. And people, little kids, just start boxing, right? They start going it to town. And all of a sudden, you look at little Johnny, and you're like, little Johnny, stop this. Use your what? Why? This Johnny is communicating with his fists. Little Johnny communicates with his siblings with his fists. Little Johnny communicates with his classmates, his teacher, the old lady who's walking across the street. Little Johnny's all about that. Why is it that you say use your words? It's because in spite of the fact that you're communicating when you're doing this, you're simply reacting. There's an actual truer statement within you that you could actually bat home and communicate if you actually use these incredibly important things. Words. Yes, actions speak louder than words, but words have a way of communicating and conveying in a focused and precise way the truest intent from our hearts. You may have been broken up before. Many of us in here have been broken up with. If you haven't been broken up with yet, the night is still young. It could still happen. But the truth is this. Many of us have been broken up with. And, and if you've been broken up in current times, you may have been broken up with over a text. And when that happened, you may have been someone. Oh, wow, my computer just died. Uh, you may have been someone, if that happened, when somebody simply uh, texts you this reality. You may have been someone who said, no, 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 no. This isn't good enough. I'm not just simply gonna believe what you're saying over this because you know what? This this doesn't cut it for me. I need to hear this from your own I need to hear this from your own mouth. I need to hear your own what? Words. Because this could have been your mom. I have no clue. I don't no clue if this was your mom or not. I don't know, that's kind of coming in and out, Benji. I might have to have Benji come on up here. Benji loves it when I do this. He's like, how do I get on stage? All right, thank you, Benji. All right, some of you guys um, have, have been in an, like a, a thing where you've had to get in someone's face and if you had to, you've had to get in someone's face and, like, and you've had a friend that said, so did you guys talk about this? Did you actually, and you're like, oh yeah, I had what? Words with this person. Words are massively, massively important. Which brings me to, and I would have had a slide for this, but I don't have a slide for this. Three people the three people that come to my mind, and probably yours as well, would be Leonardo DiCaprio, Snoop Dogg, and the girl from, uh, who played Blair from The Facts of Life. What was her name? Yeah, Whatever. I, she really never made that much to me. But the truth is that these three people, these three people have something in common. And I know that it's pretty clear what they have in common. Do you know what it is? Right, I haven't met any of them. I have not met one of these people. I have not met Leonardo DiCaprio. I have not met Snoop Dogg. And I have not met the girl, whatever her name was, from the Facts of Life who played Blair. But if we rewound the tapes in time, I could show you and I could even show them that even though I have not met them, I've seen them in real life. I, I, Leonardo DiCaprio, we were out when my, when my parents lived in California. We were um, over at this uh, place called the Huntington Gardens, and it's like art galleries and stuff, and you, you pay and you walk around these awesome gardens, super cool. And we were walking around there, and we, my family, we saw Leo DiCaprio. And they were, they're like my kids were like, who's who's talking? I'm like, no, we're not going to talk to Leonardo DiCaprio. But it was so, I saw him, he was right there with his girlfriend. The, the lady, from Blair, from the Facts of Life, I was at Disneyland, and she was there with her family. I'm like, that's Blair from the Facts of Life. Snoop Dogg. In 1995, my girlfriend and I ditched school, and we tried to go, we went over to the the LA Criminal Courts building to try to get into the O.J. Simpson trial. (laughs) Like you do. And we we didn't get into the, do you know what the passcode is? (laughs) You do, don't you? (laughs) He knows the words. Um, we tried to get into the L.A. We tried to get into the criminal courts thing. But guess what? We couldn't. Uh, because, uh, and, but, so we're standing outside the L.A. criminal courts building, super bummed that we couldn't get in. And, and as, we're try- as we're just standing out there, who walks by? Snoop Dogg. Why? Because he had a trial to show up for himself to go to. It, and so, <laughs> I'm de- but it was so crazy. The guy walks right in front, like literally right in front of me. I had a contact high for two days after that. It was, it was intense. <laughs> but here's the thing. I saw them. I know a lot about those three people. I know about them. But if you ask me, do you know them, I'd have to tell you no. Why? Because we've never shared what? Words. Words are the thing that gets you from the point of knowing about somebody to knowing somebody. All right. Awesome. Way to go, Benji. Oh, man, you're just fantastic. There you go. Give it up for I love that guy. Here's the thing about words. Words are necessary to actually go from the point of knowing about someone to knowing someone. Our world is looking for an airtight reason or argument for Christ, whether or not Christ is actually God or not. Our world is desperately looking for that. But guess what? God did not send an airtight abstract argument for his deity. He sent an airtight person. He sent his son. And so when Jesus enters into the world, all of a sudden what John is asserting here is John is asserting that when God wanted us to know about who he was, he sent the communication, the word, in the person of Jesus The word that John uses is for when he says that in the beginning was the word, when he's talking about Jesus, the word that he uses is logos. And logos is the root word for logic. God's logic wasn't simply going to send you an essay or a dissertation or a book. On here, you read this and you're going to be able to put A plus B and be able to come up with the fact that this is God. The logic of God was sending the person Jesus. He was the communication of God. John is asserting that when God wanted humanity to know him, really know him, not just know about him, he sent Jesus, Jesus the word. You can't know God except through Christ. You can know a lot of stuff about God without Jesus. You totally can learn tons about God without Jesus. But you can't know him without him. If if you want to know God, it takes Jesus. He is the ultimate source of what God is saying. But here's the thing. John doesn't just leave it in the word. Just talking about Jesus as the word is a great expression of who God was and what God wanted to say. He says that the word became what? Flesh. He's saying God became flesh. God became soft. The limitless God became limited. God became baby. God became vulnerable. God became killable. God became personal. On a personal level that, that was unheard of prior to this, Some of you have have, uh, had this happen before, where you've you've said, "Okay, uh, this year, 2017, I'm going to read through the Bible." And you start reading through the Old Testament, you're like, "I'll never do that again," because you're like, you're freaked out by the Old Testament. Like, I don't even. This is. I'm. I am learning. I don't know if I want to follow this God. This is confusing. But there's people who would say that, and then they get to the New Testament. But I love this God. He's just so relatable. He's just like more. And the reality is, is it's the same God. What's the difference? When Jesus is sent, all of a sudden, we are seeing and hearing God's heart. We're actually able to interpret and understand everything that happens through here. It is the same person, but we're seeing someone who has invaded the darkness and on a personal level has walked through the world with us. He can relate to us. The best counselors out there, if you go to a counselor, the best counselor is someone who gets you. They understand you're burned because they've been burned. They understand your suffering because they have suffered. As you're going through this world, when you're looking at Jesus, you need to know that this is not someone who's distant or disconnected. He understands pain because he experienced pain. You've been rejected, you've been betrayed, you've been ditched. Jesus gets that. You've been alone, you've experienced the loss of reputation, the loss of wealth. Jesus gets that. You've been tempted. He gets that. And you might be like, yeah, but you don't understand. Like, I've prayed to this God you're talking about, and I do not, I, and it's like you're praying to a ceiling. My prayers have not been answered. When Jesus grew up from that manger baby into being on the, uh, in the garden of Gethsemane before going on the cross, he prays to the heavenly father, if there's any other way, take this cup from me. And guess what? Jesus' prayer wasn't answered. You feel like God hasn't answered your prayers and you can't relate? God himself knows what it's like to not have his prayers answered. You feel rejected by God. God himself in Jesus knows what it's like to be rejected by God. Jesus understands everything you're going through. Earlier this year, um, late night host Jimmy Fallon lost his mom, Gloria. And that was like this um, really, I mean, when, when, whenever we lose someone that we're close to, it's, it's tragic. But when someone has been like literally like, like been someone who has, has operated like a cheerleader throughout your life or your career, it's exceptionally and exponentially more painful. Jimmy Fallon, um, his mom, Gloria, she was someone who he, he, um, he, he took after she passed away, he took a week off. And just he just had to, to mourn and had to be with his family. And, and when he came back, he, he just, th- just choked down tears as he was explaining how important this woman, his mom, Gloria, was to him. He explained how, how through every point and milestone in his career, she was the one. When he was a comic, when he first got on SNL, when he was doing movies, and then when he got on The, the Tonight Show, she was the one who is his cheerleader, his champion. And he talked about, as he was choking down tears, how when he was a little kid, she was the, the one getting him on the bus. And when he's nervous and scared about what he's about to go into, she would just grab his hand, and she would tell him, whenever I grab your hand, I'm gonna squeeze it three times to let you know I love you. And then he gets older, and he's going into school, and he's nervous about something, and she just would grab his hand. and said, Jimmy, As he got older, and now he's an adult, but still scared and insecure about life, she would pull her adult son close to her. She would grab him by the hand. And on her deathbed, when she couldn't communicate anymore, Jimmy goes to her side and grabs her hand and just squeezes. just crying his way through this, as he's explained to the audience. But he says, listen, we've got a show, though, and so let's move on. And they move on with the show, and Jimmy Fallon, I mean, he's, he can turn on a dime. And he starts to go through the rest of the show and, and eventually they get to the end where they have the, the musical artist show up and they didn't have this person scheduled initially, um, but, but they, they ended up uh, ske- scheduling last second Taylor Swift because she was performing on SNL. And Taylor Swift comes to the piano and she starts to sing a song uh, from her new album, New Year's Day. And the thing that was crazy was that in the middle of the song, all of a sudden, she stops and she takes the lyrics that she had written that are on the album and she chucks them. And she inserts instead into the song about two people who love each other that are thinking back on the memories they have. She starts to talk about the fact that we know that there is a love between us because of the hand squeeze that we have when we squeeze each other's hand. Three times, I love you. And in the shadows, Jimmy Fallon loses it. And all the cameramen lose it. And the producers lose it. And every American watching loses it. After an artist performs on the Fallon show, he always runs on out there and holds their their record and is like, ah, aren't they great? Go buy this record. But he didn't do that this time. He just simply ran over to Taylor Swift. And he gave what um, many people have talked about later as the most authentic hug that has ever been on live television. Why? Because this person took lyrics that she had previously written and interrupted those lyrics to insert something that was going to connect with this person who had lost someone, who was in darkness. In Jesus, we have something even greater than that. He's not subbed out lyrics. He didn't take out of a song some lyrics and rewrote in other things to connect with us. Jesus himself interrupted the song of our life by coming into it himself. Jesus subs himself in. The word became flesh, which means this. Jesus, who is all God, became all man. He understands you when no one else does. And yet he is the only one who can do something about it. The word became flesh. And then John says, and he made his dwelling among us. And this is cool. Because again, um, The book of John is written in Greek. Whether you were a Hebrew or you were a Roman, you understood Greek, you spoke it, you could write it, and 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 so much of the New Testament is written in Greek. And so even if you had a copy of the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, most often it was gonna be in Greek. Jesus and his disciples would have read from, from Greek Bibles because it was something that was called the Septuagint, was translated so that this would be more accessible to more people. And what John does is this. He takes the word from the Old Testament in the Greek translation, for dwelling, but he, instead of using what he, he could have used a ton of different words, instead he, he uses a very specific and unique and funky word, and the word that he uses is tabernacle. The word became flesh and tabernacled amongst us, and what that was supposed to do is just like flag, 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 flag to all the Jewish readers. Wait, hold on a sec. We've gone through our whole Bible, our, our Old Testament Bible, and the thing that the tabernacle was was it was the place. We needed to know that God was with us, and in the tabernacle we knew he was we, 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 there was a fire at nighttime letting us know that God had not bailed out on us, that in the midst of the darkness, in the midst of our fear, God was still with us. There was smoke by day letting us know that God was still directing us. And when we're looking at that, God's tabernacle was with us. That was such a vital place. And now you're saying that when we look at Jesus, Jesus has done that with us. Tim Keller put it this way. Christmas reminds us that Jesus destroyed religion as we knew it. Religion as we knew it was destroyed by Jesus, and Christmas is the reminder. Why? Because the word became flesh and made his tabernacle amongst us. In order to have a religion, you need to have a temple, some place you go to where your God dwells, your God is occupied. You need to have some priest that's your go-between because you're just not, you're unworthy. And you need to have some type of sacrifice that you do so that you can make yourself worthy again. Jesus destroyed all of that, and Christmas is the reminder. Because we don't need a tabernacle. Our, tab- our, our temple is no longer some place where we go to. He's taken up his residence in us, if you're in him. We don't need a priest. We don't need some type of go-between, because God himself was the go-between between man and God. We don't need a sacrifice, because our high priest, Jesus, not only provided a sacrifice, he provided himself as the sacrifice and so when we come to Christmas, we realize that religion as we knew it was dismantled and it was kicked to the curb. And what we, instead what we had was the opportunity to experience afresh a relationship with God. And, and I don't know if you can see this or not, but can you see this? This is the most amazing story ever. Is this your story? Is this your story? Are you in this story? Is this something that you celebrate at this time of year? Or is this time of year just absolutely depressing because it just doesn't connect? You don't get it? And if, if that's you, maybe it's because you've been focusing on the wrong thing. Jesus, you've, you've had him at arm's distance because you've come across a whole bunch of Christians that you don't respect. Or maybe it's because of a church situation. Maybe even a Bible church situation that's poisoned the per- perspective and picture of who Jesus is. Or maybe it's your suffering. Your suffering has been so great that that has been a louder voice in your life than your Savior. But the truth is this. In the midst of the the, the New Testament, the New Testament authors knew that was a reality because that was their reality as well. And and the author of Hebrews, he said this, in the midst of all the stuff that's going on in your life, here's what you need to do. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Not on your suffering. Not on the worst or best examples of Christianity you see in the people you know. Not on your church. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. That is, That is how you experience the word who became flesh and his dwelling amongst us. But I warn you this, this Jesus, the Jesus that we see in scriptures, the Jesus we see in history is not someone who allows for a casual acceptance or even a casual rejection. This Jesus claimed to be God. And if he was just a human, you should not simply casually reject him. You should sprint to some other faith or faithlessness, Like, ditch religion altogether. If he is not true, you should run the opposite direction. Don't casually reject him. Reject him fiercely and starkly. But if he's true, and he is, don't simply casually accept him. He calls for complete surrender. Laying down your life at his his feet and letting him be the epicenter of your world. And that is a step that some of us here simply have not taken yet. What if this Christmas, no matter what's happened this year in your faith, what if this Christmas was different? What if it was instead of simply being something that you either somewhat connect with or somewhat disconnect with, you actually connected with the source? The fact that, as John wrote, the word, Jesus, who's God, became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. And when asked the question, what child is this? Your answer simply could be, This child is Jesus. He's God. He's my Savior. I don't have everything worked out, but I'm based on his work, what he did and what he came to accomplish on the cross. I'm following him with everything within me. I'm putting my trust in his power, his grace, and his truth. If that's you, I want to encourage you simply to respond to him. Scripture simply talks about repentance as being something where, like, we're going this way and we recognize, no, the truth of Christ calls us to say, I need to go Him. I need to go with Him. I need to follow His lead. I need to lay down my life and surrender I need to ask Him for forgiveness and Him alone. And He restores us and He brings us near to Him. If you haven't done that, there's going to be a song. It's actually going to be What Child is This? It's going to be being played. I want you to search your soul. And listen, and I'm, I'm not, I, I can't make a good enough case for you to accept that or reject that. But God can make a good enough case for you to receive him. And if you're on the fence, receive him tonight. If, if, you, if you need to, the assurance, let God be the one who brings that assurance to you. And after the service, I'm gonna be over in the fireside room. I'd be happy to stand and talk with as many of you as, um, as need be if that's a, a decision that you wanna make tonight. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we give you thanks for the fact that you are, in fact, God, that this season is not simply something that you've come to establish as a time where we uh, get together with family, that we navigate family drama, that we give cool gifts, that we receive cool gifts, and that's the sum total. Lord, this, this season is a, dis, a disruption. It's a disturbance in life as we know it, but it's a disturbance of the darkness where you penetrated that Where you came into a situation, God, where we were bound by our own decisions, by our own sin. By the psychological difficulty that's just warring inside of our mind. And you came to bring us peace that's only found in you. Peace that's only found when we have a relationship that's been restored by you with you. God, I thank you so much for the fact that that is not only a centerpiece, God, of this holiday, it is this holiday. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone who is just on the perimeter, that they will actually cross over to a point of saying, Jesus, I surrender to you. I'm done being the one who's the leader of my own life. I'm done being my own deity. I'm done trying to make this all work on my own. I want to follow your lead from this moment on. Not just so that one day I'll see you in heaven, but so that I can see your hand and your fingerprints all over my life right now from this point on until I see you. And God, when that happens, we'll give you the thanks and the glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.